hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Enjoy the message. We're picking up Matthew 7, 13, and 14. We only got a couple verses there, but um, to make it last, I'm, tying, I'm going to tie into this the Luke account a little bit of this to be able to give a, a, a fuller picture of what's going on. So Luke, uh, Matthew 7, 13 and 14 is our text for the day. It's Jesus speaking and he's saying, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. I titled the message The Decision um, because it's a choice that we make and what gate we choose to go into. Jesus telling us to go into the narrow gate. He says, enter by the narrow gate. Jesus did not speak of this gate as our destiny, but as an entrance to a path. And he's telling us to do that. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And Jesus appealed to his listeners to decide to go the more difficult way, which, way, which leads to life. He understood, he understood and taught that not always and not all destinations are equally good. One leads to destruction and the other to life. So, John 14, 6 tells us, Jesus said to him, I am, and the emphasis on I am is mine. I'm just driving a point home of who Jesus claims to be and who he is. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So narrow is the way. I know there's many people that you talk about today, they say, well, that's very narrow-minded, Pastor. Well... Yeah, that's what Jesus said. There's only one way. In fact, we live in such troubled times and things that are happening and going on. Um, there are those in our country because, you know, they don't like the Christians. They don't like the church. They've been trying to silence her for years. But some, are. they say that this is going to be Part of the Bible, this is one of the verses in the Bible that's going to soon be declared to be hate speech. And we hear these words, terminology, hate speech, because Jesus claims to be the only way. Jesus is not encouraging committed disciples and Christians just to press on along the narrow way and be rewarded in the end. He's commanding his disciples to enter the way marked by persecution and be rewarded in the end. And that's hard to hear that. We're not used to hearing that. We, have, we think we have troubled times. We think we've had persecution, but we don't know what that really is like. We wring our hands and we wonder sometimes, but we, not, we need to be encouraged and know that whatever we face, and there's things that we do face, but whatever that is that we face, Jesus goes with us. He's there with us. And so if he's allowed it to come into our life, there's a purpose and a reason that he's allowed that to come into our lives. So, 
Pastor Greg, a few, we a few messages ago, so I'll say a few weeks, a few messages ago, um, talked about the faith chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. And um, I'm going to pull out a few verses from that and talk about that because Jesus made very clear. He made it very clear as his followers. He says, the world hates me. And if it hates me, it's going to hate you. So we should not be alarmed or we should not wonder what, what's going on when the world hates us. That's a badge of honor that should be worn, huh? And so, but Hebrews 11, 35 and 36 talks about some of the things that the early church and the, the, those down through the ages of believers had to go through. And it said, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. In other words, they could have, they would have stopped the torture if they would have just said, just say Jesus, just declare Caesar to be Lord and not Jesus. And things like that was going on and they wouldn't do it. They said, no, Jesus is Lord. And so they were, they were persecuted. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. This is talking about God's people. This is what was happening in the world to God's people. And notice how the verses end. Of whom the world was not worthy. So do not, do not, when we go through things and things that happen and come our way, get discouraged by it or to wonder, wring our hands and say, what's going on, Lord? Why are we having to deal with these things? We haven't faced anything like that yet. If you really want to read a book on it, I have it at home in my library somewhere. It's buried. I haven't read it in years, but it's there. And the book is named Foxes, F-O-X apostrophe S, Foxes, Books of Martyrs. It's hard read. But what it tells us and lets us know very clearly that our history has been written in blood. The history of the church and God's people down through the ages has been written in blood. And we, generations in this country, we've never really felt that kind of persecution. Around the world they have. I remember Pastor Ashok, you know, how many know who Pastor Ashok is? From Nepal, and he, when he came here the last time, him and his wife Romella. Um, had a, him and I had a conversation along these lines, and something he said kind of set me back at first, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what, he's right. He said, Ron, America has been, the United States of America has been blessed with such a great history and so much good. And God has used it and has sent it from the United States around the world. So many missionaries and so many carrying the gospel around the world. He said, but the church in America really does not understand persecution. And he just says, and when the persecution comes, he said, I just wonder how many will be able to stand. And that kind of set me back at first. But the more I thought about it, he's right. And we're seeing things begin to set up. We're being, seeing things all around us, being able to see what's happening. 
they're talking about taking scripture. Who would ever think that the Bible would be considered hate speech? But we're facing some of these things. We don't know what's going to be. We don't have any idea, but God knows. So we just need to be faithful and to be able to go. There's an old song, an old hymn. And I know I know a lot of old songs that people's never heard of, but um, Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Hmm? And that's a, that's a song. And it needs to be that way. God has called us. God has put us in this time period. And he has put us in this generation that as these things come up and things that come up, the church needs to be able to stand up and speak up and declare in love the, with Jesus Christ and the message they would change their lives. Because you've got to remember, the people that are spewing this stuff, we have no issue with them. It's the demonic spirits that are behind that, speaking through them, that is who we have the issues with. And so as we face these things, Jesus said in Luke 9.22, let's go to the next one, saying, the Son of Man, Jesus, must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. I want you to notice Jesus told his disciples in advance exactly what was going to happen, exactly what was going to happen to him when he goes to Calvary. They're going to kill me, but I'm going to be raised back to life the third day. But he didn't really hear them. He didn't really listen to them. And the reason why he didn't is because they had their own expectation. Jesus told them what he really came to do. Suffer. Be rejected. Be killed. And raised the third day. This wasn't what his disciples or the crowd expected or they wanted at all. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? I'm going to share that. We're going to go off on a little tangent this morning. I don't do that every, every once in a while I do it. I'm known to do it, but today is going to be a day of a tangent. I said <laughs> so last night's service, and all of a sudden the Lord just put this in my head, and I thought, you know what? We, I need to talk about this, I guess. So, guys, you just keep the screen right where you got it, because I'm going off script. <laughs> Acts chapter 1, beginning in, and I'm going to jump around a little bit. But Jesus said to them, this is post-resurrection. He went to Calvary's cross. He's resurrected from the dead. He's come back. His disciples know he's alive, and now he's meeting with them in the upper room. He's meeting with them. And in verse 3, he says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now notice that he was after resurrection. He was here on earth for 40 days. 40 is significant. Bible, in the Bible, numbers have meanings. There's, there's, there's things behind it. 40 is a time of trials and testings. It's a time of change. We see that all through the Bible. You see, he was here 40 days. Remember, Jesus was tempted by the, the devil in the wilderness 40 days. On and on and on. There's so many different things you could point to. Because of the sins of the Israelites, they wandered for 40 years in the desert. So these, have, these numbers have meaning. 
And so, Jesus is with them 40 days. And he's telling them, he says, I'm going to go back to heaven, and I'm going to sit down at the right hand of God the Father, and I'm going to sit on the throne of grace, and he's ruling and reigning for this. He went back 40 days. He sat down on that throne, but he told his disciples, you wait here. You wait for Pentecost. You wait for that day to come, and I'm going to endow you with power from on high. Pentecost means 50th. So from 40 days to the 50th day is a 10-day period. 10 means complete. And his 10 days is a complete period of time that Jesus told them to wait and to wait until the power came upon them. This is the conversation Jesus is having with them. I want you to notice what he says. If you want to mark anything in your mind, mark this one. one Acts 1, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked, they're all together. Jesus is saying, they're doing this stuff, having this kind of conversations. And here's what they wanted to talk about. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Wow. They didn't hear a word he said. No wonder what he said about the third day. They acted like he never heard anything because they weren't paying attention. They weren't listening. It's like the old Charlie Brown cartoons. You remember those cartoons, Charlie Brown? And they're talking. Then the teacher come in. She'd go, wah, 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 wah. You never heard a word she said. You just heard that. I think when Jesus said he's going to die and raise the third day, all they heard was wah, 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 wah. Huh? They weren't paying attention. They didn't get it. Why? Because it's not what they were looking for. They did not want, a, they did, if anybody should know what, what happened at Calvary and he came back and he paid the sin debt about the blood, it should have been his disciples. And what are they looking for? When are you going to set up the kingdom here on earth? They're looking for a political Messiah. They're looking for a national Messiah. They weren't looking for a savior. I find that amazing. But thank goodness Jesus didn't leave them in that mess. He tells them in verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He this promise of power as a manifestation of the Spirit assures the disciples that Jesus will not leave them abandoned. The same power source that was found in Jesus Christ is the power source he's now giving them and lives in each and every believer. You've been born again. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13, 14 tells us that that Spirit has been sealed within us. It's not coming out. And that's a hallelujah moment, isn't it? The work he started, he's the alpha, and he is the omega. Or we could say he's the A to Z. The work he started in us is the work he'll finish in us. It's not about what we're doing. It's about what he's doing. And that's powerful. That is so powerful. But this idea 
of what Jesus did at Calvary and paying the sins and the whole thing, that was, for, that was not what they were looking for. They were wanting Messiah to come. Hey, they wanted deliverance from Rome. We want to be set free from the Roman Empire. We want you to come and set up the kingdom and rule and reign. When he's ruling and reigning, he sits at the right hand of God the Father. You don't get any more powerful than that. So this was an unbelievable shock to all who expected or hoped that Jesus was the national and political Messiah. That's what they were looking for. And by analogy, we could do the same thing. The whole thing become this idea. You got a presidential candidate, uh, candidate and they're all running for announce, announcing that he's running for presidency and going to get there. When we, when we go into Washington, but then it gets time to, almost time to be there. And he says, but I'm going to be rejected and executed. What? That's what they were doing. You know, the more I say that, that may not be a bad idea. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and they get, they get rid of the politicians, huh? <laughs> huh? But see, it was a shock. This whole idea, everything was a shock to them. It's not what they wanted. That's, what, that's not what they were looking for. Aren't you glad that God knows what we need? Huh? And he's going to give them, and he endued them with power 10 days later at Pentecost. He endued them with power, and each and every one now have the Holy Spirit living inside of them to be able to lead, guide, and direct them, just like he does all of us believers today, the same way. They never had that before. That was powerful. So he says, must suffer many things. An important word here is must. This wasn't just a plan or an idea or a prediction. This was the fulfillment of what was planned before the world began for our salvation. Now, that's amazing that before God even created the world, it's hard to put our arms around this, these things. Before he even created the world, before he did all of that, he knew that man was going to sin. He knew man was going to fall. He made a plan of redemption for us before he even created everything. He had it completely laid out and in place for you and I. That's how much God loves us. First Peter 1.20 says this about this subject. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, who? Jesus. But was manifest in these last times for you. Notice what they even called back then, 2,000 years ago, they called them the last times. Because huh? he paid our sin debt. It changed everything. He was foreordained before the foundation of the world was even began. And so... Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, Now I've stopped at a certain place for a reason, so I just want you to stay here for a minute. I don't want you to jump ahead. I want to tell the punchline. Okay? But notice, Jesus said this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. I think when he said those words, it was wah, 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 after that again. 
They did not have to. They understood what it meant to go to a cross. They understood what happened to those that went on the cross. That was a one-way trip. No one had ever, until Jesus, till resurrection came, there was no one that came back from that death. And now he's telling us he's going to die, and now he's telling us we're going to die. That's all they heard. This is what's going to happen to us. It was bad enough for the disciples to hear that Jesus would suffer, be rejected, and die on a cross. Now he's told them that we must do the same. We're going to die. Take up a cross. In real life, the crosses of the Roman world no one took them up. No one, you would say, you're going to go across, you go get, go, I'm going to carry a cross. I'm not touching that thing. No one went and took up a cross, suggesting a voluntary action. Instead, crosses were impressed upon people, quite apart from their willingness. Here Jesus said to those who follow him, must voluntarily take up their cross. That's a hard thing to hear, and especially in that time period. As Jesus spoke these words, everyone knew what Jesus meant. They didn't have to, he didn't have to explain to them what he's talking about. In the Roman world, before a man died on a cross, he had to carry his cross. Now, some of them carried their own, the whole cross. A lot of them just carried the horizontal position. They strapped, they'd beat them almost to death, and then they'd strap that thing on their back, and then they'd make them walk to their death, and then where they would take that horizontal part and then drop them down on the vertical beam. So, when the Romans crucified a criminal, they didn't just hang them on a cross. They first hung a cross on him. Carrying a cross always led to death on a cross. Always. The hearers of Jesus didn't need an explanation of the cross. They knew it was an unrelenting instrument of torture, death, and humiliation. If someone took up his cross, he never came back. Like I said earlier, it's a one-way journey. Who's going to do that? Who wants to do that? That is terrible. Still, no, 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 not yet. Not yet. But Jesus didn't leave it here. He did not leave it here. And that's a good thing. Jesus did not leave it here because if he had left it there, that'd be a hard thing to endure and embrace, wouldn't it? But he didn't. He said, take up your cross daily. Now, next slide, please. We can go there now. <laughs> take up your cross daily. Daily, By doing the daily, Jesus made it clear that he spoke spiritually when he added the word daily. No one could be crucified literally daily. Couldn't happen. 
But what he's telling us that in our lives, there's things we're going to embrace. There's things that's going to come our way. There's things that we're going to face. There's things that we're going to have to endure. How many of you had something come up in your life that you were never expecting and it was a shock to your life? Huh? Anybody? I have. Yeah, I see a lot of hands go up. Jesus made it clear when he added the word daily that we're going to face things. We're going to go through things. That's why the Apostle Paul said this about himself. He said, I die daily. In other words, what he was saying is to the things that I want to see, the things that I may want to do, and the things that I think I should be doing in life, I give those up on a daily basis to be able to follow you, Lord, and do what you command me. He tells us, take up his cross daily and follow me. Oh, that the church at this hour and this day could wake up to that idea that we have a job to do, we have things to do, we need to lay aside what we want and say, Lord Jesus, you have a plan that you've created me for, I have a purpose why I'm here today, I'm here in this time period for a reason. I know just like in Esther's day when the Jews were being persecuted and she was now married to the the, the, the king, she was... And her cousin told her, Esther, God may have allowed this to be for such a time as this. I believe that we are in the hour we are and the things that are happening around us is such a time as this that the church would stand up and be the church and to proclaim the gospel message loud and clear and say you need to change and to follow Jesus. Oh, if we would just wake up. Daily we could have the same attitude as Jesus had. This is following Jesus at its simplest. He carried a cross. So his followers carry one. He walked to his self-death. So must those who follow him. As followers of Jesus... We accept the unchosen circumstances that come into our lives. A lot of us have faced things. We were shocked that we have to face them. I know most of you know my wife, and she goes through a lot of stuff. And she's, she's doing okay. She was here last night. She came to last night's service. And she's got some more things happening that I won't, I won't talk about from here, but I want to talk about she's struggling a little bit. I mean, she has all these illnesses and things that's happening to her and something else has happened to her. And so we're just waiting now to get an answer. And the wait is just overwhelming. And I've watched her struggle with this. And she's, she is not a person that complains or carries on. She is not that at all. I, I've seen her in ministry and over the years, so many has been like that. And I always told her, I am so thankful that you're not like that. And even all the things that she's endured her whole life. She's done them with such grace and humility. I've learned from her because I get sick. I'm usually a big baby. I'm one of these goes, if I get sick, I'd go in the room and shut the door and say, leave me alone. I'll come out when I'm well. Well, I'm more like that, but that's a whole nother story. But she's waiting for an answer. And I've seen her struggle with this, and 
she, a couple days ago, she said to me, and, and she had no idea what I was preaching at the time. She never, you know, we, we don't do that. You know, she just, um, but she said to me, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay. Whether I live or I die, I, or if I've been able to stay here or if I can go to heaven, I'm okay because I know I belong to him. And whatever he wants is okay with me. Oh, if we all could wake up to that kind of thinking. That's why the only reason I'm telling that is that's what she said to me. She's found peace even in the unknowing to know I belong to Jesus and whatever happens is okay with me. Oh, if we could always be like that. Huh? So, unchosen circumstances that come into our lives, we choose to bear them as a way to die daily for Jesus' glory. Luke 13, 22, this is in, the reason why I want to continue on, because this is the text, we're working up to the same verse of scripture that, that's the text that I've read in Matthew. I want you to notice, he hasn't went to the cross yet, hasn't happened yet. It says, and he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Jesus knew the cross was coming. He's out teaching in the villages. He's out preaching. He's out serving God and carrying out his mission. But he's not dragging his feet. He's not wondering, okay, I don't want to have to go do this yet. Huh? Let's go back. Don't jump yet. But he's journeying toward Jerusalem. He was headed toward the cross to pay the sin debt for you and I, a plan that was laid down before the world was ever formed. That's how much he loves you and I. And if you're here today and you do not know him, today is the day of salvation, if you'd let him. Today is the day, and now is the accepted time. Don't put it off, because tomorrow could be eternity. Okay, next slide. And one of them said to him, Lord, there are few who are saved. And he said to them, next verse, strive to enter through the narrow gate. There's the text. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to do so. Going back to our text. Matthew seven fourteen. Jesus said, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Why is the gate narrow? The gate is narrow because Christ is the only door. And faith and repentance are the only means of a mission. That's why he said, I am the way the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Yeah, that's narrow. But aren't you glad he loved us enough to pay that sin debt for us? A debt we could not pay. A debt we owed, but could not pay. And he paid it for us. John 10, 9 says this, and I'll close. And again, the emphasis is mine on I am. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved 
Pastor Greg used that last week, I think. We're talking about we don't hear that verbiage very much. This is Jesus himself speaking. You enter through Jesus, you will be saved. And you will go in and out and find pasture, even though all the things that we endure and we go through, we find pasture. And he uses us to bring glory to his name. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.